0: Welcome to another episode of Live Lunch You've mellowed out in the week that you've been uh, away from us Normally you're like, welcome to another episode of Live Lunch I was Lunch. really and on enthusiastic, like, do you want to do that Whoa. again? It's because it started raining outside, didn't it? Well welcome- actually,
1: I've
0: become Lord
1: Johan so You've become what? Lorne Johan, the, the version of Johan was really, I've got a new Lorne.
0: Like, lawn. Yeah, lawn. <laughs> I thought and you
2: said Lord Johan. Yeah, <laughs> like, right. <laughs> i mean as well.
0: You get your British in one year, one year and then next year you become a lord. I mean, yeah. that's how i, I how really going yeah, yeah. because
1: I'm like, yeah, I don't need to water the lawn. Mate, I am that with you. That is really true. I am with you. As it's always so good, it? good for the garden. It's just under the That's the first thought I've had is I don't need to uh, yes, load the m- uh, lo- uh, them on. Load them on. Water the lawn. This is the
0: time to look after your law and get it ready for summer. yeah.
1: anyway good where have you been mate i have been in krakow for the past week um we were at uh so you know our church is part of a family of churches in amsterdam london bath belfast krakow ottawa um and B- berlin and the leadership teams get together once every year we've missed doing it for the last two years because of the pandemic mm. but we're, we were back together in the room we were in krakow wonderful time just connecting with people from around uh, a family of churches around the world. It's just brilliant time of vision, of worship. It was lovely. But I, because it was in Krakow, I discovered that Auschwitz mm. is only an hour away from Krakow. Wow. So me and Pietko, who's my excellent coms intern, visited uh, Auschwitz. Wow. Okay. On yeah, last week. And How was that? It was harrowing. Yeah. It was just I it's really hard to put it in words because it feels like anything you say about it um is not adequate. Doesn't do justice. No. Yeah. I I was talking to Joel about this and I was like, man, I, it feels like this was hell on earth. There's just a complete absence of God yeah. uh, in that situation. Like the, the tour guide that took us around just took us from one horror story to the next. And because you're you're walking the the places where the prisoners walked,
0: yeah,
1: it, it just feels a lot more real. And then yeah, of yeah, course yeah, you've yeah. got all the the, the 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 displays and but she just keeps talking and she tells you story after story and this is what they did here and this is what they did there and you're like wow. it just got more and didn't feel like there's any kindness yeah. to the prisoners in the camp like the way the where they slept yeah. where they used the toilet where they where they bathed the way they were punished and you, you see that the extent of human depravity when you go to the gas chambers and mm. two thousand people killed in twenty minutes—that's mm. how efficient they had got wow. in killing people. And I think it has—it has stuck with me. It's, yeah, because I, I don't know. Yes, yeah, I don't know. You feel how you're meant to feel after that kind of an experience. <laughs> and I, you know, we were just talking—we were talking about this you not We—it'd we, be great to have a longer conversation on where was God in all of this, and, and how do you align that with your theology yeah, yeah. and your, your understanding, your worldview? Because yeah, it was just perfect and yeah but, but i mean you also have incredible stories of uh of okay heroic stories where prisoners mm-hmm. would sacrifice their lives for other prisoners and 12 12 prisoners were hung at one spot because they all combined together to help one one prisoner escape uh and so you've got these stories yeah. of just amazing amazing hero, heroism uh, amongst the jewish prisoners and yeah it was just and the other sort of weird thing is you drive into the the town where the where the Auschwitz is, yeah. uh, and you start you start seeing signs to the the town. So it's I can't pronounce it, but it's it's similar sounding name, but spelled differently. Yeah. And then you confront and you think, okay, I'm about to enter, you know, like yeah. a really sacred the opposite of sacred ground, which should
0: kind of yeah, be horrific place. Yeah.
1: yeah, and you start seeing advertisements for billboards for hotels and nice holidays and you come across KFC and McDonald's H&M all of these places you're like man th- this was I'm, I'm driving yeah, in yeah, my yeah. air conditioned taxi this was um, a, this was the space in which millions of people were mm-hmm. murdered and people who entered this place or who, who walking down the path that I'm just driving down yeah. must have been f- filled with fear or and they escaped yeah it's just it's a weird experience and it's, it didn't, it happened like 80 years ago. Yeah. So 500 years from now, when they look back at this moment in history, in some ways, we weren't that far away from the event. Yeah, yeah, it yeah, feels yeah, really yeah. far away for us, right? Because yeah, we aren't, yeah. uh, but yeah. you look back at it and you're like, you know, how many years and how many decades and how many centuries yeah. did it take that's for nonsense. you for mankind, humanity to recover from what we did okay. to, to the Jews? Anyway, sorry. There we
0: go. Yeah. Well, I that's what you've been. Well, sorry, that's well that's where we, in. in your absence, have been cracking on through Genesis. And shall I do a little summary? Great to have you as well, Sophie. Yeah, Sorry, please. Introduce yeah,
2: you. hi. Great to have
0: you back so with right. us to join Thanks. the conversation, we, as we um, always do. Our wonderful producer,
1: Jess, asked us to explain what Live Lunch is for for people looking in. I think our viewers have gone up from five to six. So Woo. the one additional person <laughs> yes. who's tuned in. What percentage so increases that? Yeah.
2: A lot. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Matt, what is Live Lunch all about and why do we do Live Lunch? Well, we just like having a chat, don't we? Um, I think we... Live Lunch is a place where we can unpack in a little bit more detail what we, um, what we have been doing in terms of our teaching on a Sunday. Um, we um, Obviously, our Sunday teaching is very much monologue. It's very much this is uh, what the Bible says, and we try to unpack it as faithfully as we can. But then this context gives us a space to go a bit further, make it into more of a conversation. And we love people, you know, mm. who are watching also to get in touch and ask questions and mm. that's to extend and, and the conversation And it's live, so you can out. ask
1: us any question um, and Pastor Matt will have to answer.
0: Yeah, yeah, we, yeah, we could do that. <laughs> um, but yeah, just that there's, we want to help people in terms of how to apply the message. How do we live this out? What are the challenges to that? What's the reality of it? We don't, want just, it's very, in one sense, it's very easy to say, hey, do this and just but actually... That's why I try and be here and uh, you can ask me, you know, what does that really look like or what do you mean by that or or those sort of things. So we try and broaden out the conversation. So we have a range of different guests as well, different perspectives, different people come in um, and join the the conversation. So it feels like an ongoing conversation. Um, That's the idea.
1: We're joined today by the wonderful Sophie Cox. Hello. Sophie is one of our interns here and we really enjoy having Sophie with us on
0: on Live Lunch.
2: Thanks very much. Yeah, Matt, sorry. Yes, we do. um, Summary the Preach.
0: Summary the Preach. Uh, yes we're in Genesis 27 I sorry I'm getting confused because yesterday I was preparing for next week um, so it was it was all to do with um, the the blessing uh, of Jacob Jacob is the one that receives the blessing from his father Isaac uh, but the way uh, which that comes about is he he, uh, he tricks his dad into blessing him rather than blessing his older brother who is Esau who thinks he deserves uh, the blessing and so it's 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 not a great passage in terms of it doesn't show this family in a very good light at all. It just highlights their dysfunction, uh, really. And so the message. Uh was about that about like the dysfunctional family that the the Bible often does this sort of shows people as they are uh, and is not afraid to to do that and shows the, the fallenness of people. Uh, but as with this whole series, is to do with how God's purposes are still worked out, like through the mess of people's lives that God's promised to this family uh, and His purposes in the world uh, are still worked out through context uh, like this and the deception uh, that Jacob perpetrates is he kind of pretends to be uh, his older brother uh, and he's like hidden in these animal skins uh, so that is a picture of the way we are hidden in christ we come to god our father not on our own merits because we don't have any when it comes to god uh, and we're not worthy of his love and his acceptance but we come through jesus and uh, the bible uses this wonderful uh, language of being hidden in christ actually christ covers us it uh, covers us in, um, makes us righteous in in God's sight, and that's 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 the basis of our relationship with God. And mm. um, so it's even though it's a many ways a, a horrific story, it points to something wonderful and uh, the gospel.
1: Brilliant, thanks, mate. A um, couple of big questions. The second question that we're going to look at is on Rebecca's moral dilemma, but the first one is for people who are in. Either who've come out of dysfunctional families maybe they've grown up in dysfunctional families or they have they are in a dysfunctional family what would you say to them
0: well i'd um firstly i'd, I'd say that the, the church is the best place to be <laughs> for that because um the the church is is, is god's family right, where jesus brings us into a new family a new identity a new sense of who we are and um yeah new family relationship and so um you know no local church including us is going to be perfect in terms of being a family in terms of loving relationships and uh, old older um people be uh, being spiritual parents the younger people and all those sorts of things but that is what we're aiming for that's what we're trying to do and so um yeah and i really believe that you won't find that anywhere else like the church has a um because god is at work in his people there is something special about the family of god that is that is that is unique um but yeah i think also just um what I, what i mentioned uh, in the message uh, about when we come into god's family through the work of jesus there is something spiritually that changes uh, that the bible says um we he saved us from the futile ways of our forefathers and so we have seen in this church many people uh, who do have um very dysfunctional family and that has a huge impact on them um what they might have suffered or how they view different relationships how they mm. view mum how they view a dad um and bringing people into the truth of what god is like and the way he deals with us and his father in care of us and um, that is often a journey it doesn't, it doesn't happen in a moment and one mm. of the things that we have is thrive story which Sophie's on at the minute mm. um and I've been involved in, in in leading that because that is a context where we go actually go through the Exodus story but it's all about Moving from slavery into freedom. How do we get free from false identities, from lies of the past, and actually live in the destiny of who we are in God? Um, And so that's that's what it's all about. How's that going for you, Sophie?
2: It's good. Yeah. (laughs) Um, What have we done? We've done two, three weeks now. Yeah. Yeah. I'm currently very confused, okay, but I assume that all things will be made clear well, over we'll the next, over the next the few weeks <laughs> yeah, no, just just discovering things okay yeah
1: you really told it well, Sophie, thank you. oh yeah, no,
2: it is good, I've heard many great stories, but some people you you get your your revelation of like, okay, this is who I am and God, you get that right at the beginning when you like talk about your life, share your story. Mm and other people get that right at the end yeah, and yeah. i haven't quite no, no, got no, no. there yet no absolutely so, and that's very yeah
0: it's a place that people can share and often people find that you know things get all out there and then it takes a while for god to bring it all back together but mm. he doesn't so
2: yeah that's the thing there's just like a lot of a lot of yeah. disconnected things that's that need connecting so we'll see
1: Great. Yeah. The next thing to look into is really Rebecca's moral dilemma, which you both had yeah. contrasting opinions on. Uh, we and had so, some drama. Just, to quickly, just quickly summarize, Rebecca is the one that encourages Jacob to be deceptive and pretend to be so, and to get his father's blessing. But that comes out of a place of um, Jacob having had certain promises over his life, which I don't know whether they've been forgotten or neglected, but Isaac was definitely not doing the right thing mm. in terms of what had been promised uh, for Jacob. And so, so Rebecca, through you know this deceptive method, is trying to actually achieve the right thing. And so, I want to throw mm. that out to you, as Christians: if we, you know, what's our take on this? Are we allowed to use deceptive methods when our if? Mm the ends justifying the means and that, that sort of thing. Where, where do we stand? Go on, Sylvie, What you start? Okay,
2: right. So when we were having this conversation earlier before we went live, originally I was saying it was potentially necessary for Rebecca to be deceptive because God's will was not being brought about. Those promises were not being fulfilled because the blessing was going to go to Esau, not to Jacob and it was all going to go wrong. Mm. However... Having yeah
1: Sorry, I was just um,
2: out. having thought about that for a second, it's not our place as humans to put in measures to mm-hmm. fulfil God's promises, mm-hmm. so while she might have been trying to do the right thing in working towards what God had for Jacob, it also was not her sole responsibility because ultimately God's in control of of what he wants to do and his will will be done regardless of any obstacles that are put in the way. Mm. So mm. that's where I'm at. Yeah, at I, think,
0: I mean, I think when we, I kind of refer to this a little bit in the message, when we come to this story, I think because of our experience, perhaps we'll probably each have little bits of sympathy for different characters, but, you know, to differing degrees, like some people would have more sympathy with Esau in when they re- read the story for the first time because it's like, well, he didn't... And actually, in this passage that we read, he doesn't actually do anything wrong. He's just he's just a victim of a deception, or it seems that way, because the elder son would naturally have received the blessing and inheritance and the favor um, that would have shaped his life, and he doesn't get that. It's like, why does he get... And I think similarly with uh, Rebecca. Uh, you might people might well have sympathy for her because, um, you know, I said at the beginning of the message that um, Isaac, uh, her husband, he's not really he's kind of drifted away spiritually from what God had said and wasn't really listening and um, and and God had spoken to both of them to say that Jacob would get the blessing, uh, you know, the older will serve the younger, and he said that to them before either the children well, when the, the children were born and yet rebecca obviously sees in isaac that he's not really living in that and not really thinking about that and so and that you know can be um and so i think there's understandable sympathy for rebecca in the sense of like i can see that other people are not being faithful so i just need to do something so that what god says happens and takes it upon herself yeah however so i so i I, yeah I, i i take that point in the message I was referring to Rebecca saying, well, you know it 's a sinful shortcut she shouldn 't have done this what was interesting i didn 't bring this into the message I said on Sunday because i didn't didn 't have time but um, someone else pointed in the prep of this someone else pointed this this out to me um, that when you look forward in jacob 's life and we 'll get there in some several weeks no we won't we won 't get this this series if we ever finish Genesis, God willing we will get there at the end of Genesis. This is a bit of a detour, but hopefully it's helpful. Um, Jacob, uh, his son, one of his sons is Joseph, a famous character in the Old Testament. And then Joseph has two sons. And at the end of Jacob's life, yeah, exactly. At the end of Jacob's life, Joseph brings his two sons Mm. to Jacob and say, hey, bless your grandsons. And in that moment, for whatever reason, well, it seems... God was in it. God spoke to Jacob, and basically he puts his hands on the two sons to bless them. But he obviously hears from God or whatever, and the right hand would be the one that is like gets the you know favorite favorite blessing. But he switches his hands, and Joseph is like, "Wait a minute! No, you got it the wrong way wrong way around. Like this is the elder. This is the younger. The elder one should have the right hand on his head and, even so and the get Joseph- the blessing." The Joseph got angry. About the yeah, yeah. Joseph's like you know dad you're old you see that you got it wrong you're like, switch it but he's like no no this is the way it should be mm. but it shows like okay god can just do it a moment and just even if it doesn't look like it's going to happen the right thing all god needed to say to isaac in this story is no wait a minute no just bless jacob <laughs> mm. so even he can take a sinful person and just speak to him in a moment and cause the blessing to happen mm. and so when you realize that when you think about that it's like Oh, yeah, actually, Rebecca's, this whole scheme was completely unnecessary. Mm-hmm. And I think that we miss that because we come out and say, oh, this is what happens in the Bible. Therefore, that's mm-hmm. what God wanted to happen. And that's what God was planning and intending for happen. But no, even though God, in one sense, had said Jacob's to get the blessing, he didn't say, do this elaborate, whole you know. And so that's like just the sovereignty of God that he even, he even uses the sinful behavior of people, not just in his plan, but actually to show something of the gospel, because yeah. I talk about how he's hidden in him. But I guess to push mm. you a bit further on that, so oh. let's see,
1: in this instance, you have a wife who's trapped in a situation with a husband who, um, as you as we said, is, is not looking after the spiritual temperature of the home. Uh, what, you know, you've got employees where your, your boss is, is out, you know, you can see that there's just something that's happening that's wrong. Uh, to an extent, an injustice. Yeah. Uh, or you know, it, it's quite tricky to whether we call this right or wrong because in some ways it was appropriate for Jacob to bless uh, for Isaac to, ble- uh, to bless the older son, but it wasn't what the promise was. The, the promise was for the younger son, and so when there's when you think there's a, a miscarriage of justice, yeah. Um, do you then? I guess it's tricky because it's, you need to evaluate this per situation. But are, are there some principles that come into play where? you know, how much of this do I just allow allow for this to happen? Or when do I make things happen by whatever means possible? Mm. Thoughts on that,
2: Shabby. Tricky. Um, yeah, I think, I think in a, a situation like you describing with um, a boss and employees, I think that's a bit of a different situation to the situation we've got here in the passage in the sense that there is no divine promise in this like boss employee thing so if there's some kind of miscarriage of justice at work you, you talk to your superior you know you figure it out um and that's an action you have to take whereas in the passage you've got um you've got a divine promise from god and so there are decisions we make in everyday life that we make in line with the promises that god has said over our lives Um, which I would say would be like an example would be a decision that Isaac perhaps should have made to bless Jacob instead of Esau. But if that doesn't, if those decisions aren't made, um, it's not the responsibility of another person like Rebecca to go potentially outside of, of what God's planned to make those promises happen. Um, in a way which we've seen in the passage is deceptive and is it's not honest and we know that god is a, a truthful god mm. as opposed to a dishonest god
0: yeah and take and take the example from isaac's life when isaac was at the mercy of others mm-hmm. for abraham god told him like go and sacrifice isaac and surely that would be a time that Abraham's like, this can't be right. <laughs> like Isaac's the, the promise, like God can't be doing this. The, the 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 pressure or the temptation to be like, no, no, this is this is not right. I need to make my own plan here. But it says, you know, later on, so commentary of that is that Abraham believed that even God could raise Isaac from the dead so he was willing to trust god even when he couldn't see that in the natural even if it required a supernatural outcome Mm -hmm. that god could just do that and that that demonstrated faith and i think on on this point i think it comes up a lot and i think all of us struggle with this is that sin is never an excuse for sin Mm. that actually sometimes when we are sinned against or we feel things are unfair, or we're at the end of an injustice. We think, well, they did this, so I'm just going to do this. I'm just going to take matters into my own hand and do something that's not right, or that, or just simply that's not wise. And think, well, because I'm a victim here, um, that that's that's okay. God, like, or even like God, will, God will underst- understand. Um, but what? <sighs> So, in one sense, again, with Rebecca, you have sympathy for her because she's obviously in this horrible household and um, probably doesn't feel like she has a great level of autonomy. So, is taking hold of what she can. But I think fast forward to the end of uh, Rebecca's life, I don't think she'll look back on this had looked back on this decision and think that was a great decision. Because what happens because of this deception? We're going to see it this week. Stephen's preaching this week because of this. Uh, Jacob is under threat now from Esau. Like Esau's after yeah. him, they hate each other. And so um, Jacob has to leave um, and go all the way up to outside of the land of uh, Canaan because he's afraid of Esau. And so Rebecca, like what's most important to her, her son, Jacob, she that that son. Yeah. that's why she's doing everything for him. Yeah. And yet because of this sin, yeah she loses him yeah. mm-hmm. he goes away for 28 Brilliant. sorry I'm, Stephen I'm stealing your message for this week spoilers guys uh, it's, a, it's a really
1: <laughs> good point because often we can read these stories and say well but this was all worked out for good so surely it shouldn't make any difference whether we we sin or don't sin or do things differently or not because it it's worked it worked out well for Jacob it worked out well Um, Well, but that's the thing, it it didn't work out well. Mm Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It may have worked out well in the grand scheme of things, but there's definitely pain and disappointments. Even uh, Abraham and Sarah and and Ishmael, uh, that has resulted, you may think, but, you know, God's still been faithful to Abraham and he's had Isaac and and all of that. The promise has continued. But the... the, Promise has endured. The results of... Uh, of sinful behavior. Yes, God is gracious and yeah. yes God is kind, but there's there can be real damage and consequence yeah. to sinful de- decisions.
0: Yeah, mm. there, there there will there will be. There's mm. there's a there's a natural law uh, that God has instilled that actually that, that sin that sin has consequences now. Ultimately, Christ has rescued us from the eternal consequences mm. of that and often and we see in this situation rescues us to an extent even from the immediate implications of our sin but that is that is part of the lie of sin like we're all prone to sin in our lives and the lie is like it won't matter we had a super analogy
1: at a conference a few years ago which has always stayed with me a guy called Donnie griggs had come down from america and he said we often think of sin as i'll take a bullet for the team and just thinking of my sin is just going to be me taking the bullet and it's just me and there's almost something heroic about what you're about to do, mm. but actually, sin is not a bullet. It's a, a grenade that you drop, yeah. and the uh, shrapnel from the grenade it impacts everybody around yeah, you. Yeah. And that's really shocking me. It's like no, if i'm if I make this decision, it's not just going to impact me. And well, I think you were talking in the context of uh, of having an affair or, or cheating on your spouse. You might think that you're the one that's going to go down. Mm. but no, you're not the the damage of the decisions that you' made is going to impact all the loved ones around you. Your kids could go get impacted. Your wife could get impacted. Just everybody to get impacted, mm-hmm. and then just seeing sinful decisions is more for a grenade than a bullet. Yeah, and that's then full
2: helpful. circle, we're back to having a dysfunctional family.
0: Thanks yeah, very much. and and that's it for generations. <laughs> that's me done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's right to point out and generations as well. that's sobering, sobering thing. You know, the decisions that our grandparents made, and that's what sort of, you know. Um, have an, can have an impact as well it's yeah. not just just limited we, we only think about our lifetime but if we think yeah, some of these decisions that were made by this family like that's part of the Bible's warning to us and encouragement yeah. to us like actually you know think of the way that you conduct yourself in your family now and the decision you make now and that is just so sorry we're probably running out of time aren't we that yeah. is so anti the way that our culture tends to focus as well because it's all about you it's all about now it's all about your life and your feelings and your feelings and how and, and just be go with what you feel is right to do and that sort of thing and just put such a premium on that that we don't think about you know people have even individual people have god is instilled with so much power in one sense like and responsibility like people's, our decisions that we make can have huge impact, not just on ourselves, as you're right, but, but other people. Oh, for, better, to, oh, for better, okay. for worse, like massive.
1: We've got two minutes to go. I need to ask, two, I need to ask another big question. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Uh, I think that you've gone on a route now where, um, at what point does, you're right, we do make a lot of decisions based on how we feel and, and all of this and we've got to remember the, the wider community, the impact of, the, we're a collective, we're a community. At what point, Oh, so sure. how, how do you how do you make the decision when do you need to put your needs ahead of the community so that it's being looked so that you're caring for yourself uh, versus always living in deference to the fact that you're part of a wider community um... because in this decision it's backfired for Rebecca right yeah but there are times yeah. when you're you've got to be selfish right and make the decision for yourself saying I, I can't carry the weight of the impact that this decision has on the community. I need it resolved for myself. People are making those decisions. You know, how, how do we, it's black, making black and white is maybe tricky, but you know, what can we put in place where people how are to- How do we balance to, it?
2: Yeah. yeah.
0: It might be helpful if you give, can you think of an example of how, cause you're kind of talking about a decision that would be good for you, but not necessarily good for other people and saying, could that be justified? Is that
2: what you mean? Or? Yeah, sure. Or well, the office it, thing. <laughs> we were talking about earlier yeah no, let's, not, let's not bring that up okay uh, fine this is too, it's too painful
1: okay if you're suppressing who you feel um i guess every example that's coming to mind will have to be like massively caveated and everything so i, I, I don't know I, okay. I don't think i can explain the question really maybe we should not talk about another long episode <laughs> of that one um as we come to the conclusion of this episode, one of the things that you talked about in the in the sermon was being hidden in Christ. Yeah. Um practically what does that look like when we it says you you're, you can come to God hidden in Christ. Yeah. How does that play out every day as a Christian? It sounds it sounds amazing, but what does that look like?
0: I think very quickly part of it is to do with what we think and what we feel and how we act to God. Like the the Bible says um you know approach the throne of uh, of grace with you know confidently come to god confidently I'm like how can we come to god confidently but it's that's a faith step now i'm coming in christ it's not based on my and so often we we do we struggle to pray because we don't feel we're worthy to pray or um is god going to turn us away or that it's to do with i think mindset of not being uh, spoken to by our feelings coming to god by actually we're coming through christ like it's christ has invited us christ has made it possible to stand where we stand um, and i think that should shape the way we pray shapes the are levels of faith
1: yeah sophie hmm.
2: yeah um i think as well it's the recognition of um the fact that we're saved by christ's sacrifice on the cross and that through that we so we have a relationship with god just like matt's been saying um and actually that brings us into a relationship with other people in this like amazing family as soon as we step into that and into being hidden in christ um you step into being brothers and sisters with so many other great people um who can be your your family and your community not like the dysfunctional family that we see in this passage or may have experienced in our lives. Um, But actually you can, to some extent, you can choose your family and you can choose the people that you want around you to build you up. Yeah, yeah. so I think the reality of that is being able to step into that honestly as well because through Christ all of our our sins and our past are forgotten. Um, And so you can bring those to other people and they can know you as you are, um, and there are no expectations of who you're supposed to be or what you're supposed to be like. Mm. Um, yeah, cool. she's just got a great, great family. Yeah.
1: Amen. Thanks, Sophie. Uh, thanks, Matt, for joining us. Well, actually, thank, thank you for being here. part of the show. So it's not. Thanks for
2: turning up. Thank you for joining
1: us. Thank so. you, Jess. Thank you, and Lucy, who are working tirelessly behind the cameras <laughs> for your stellar job at a feeding us yeah. and capturing this. Uh, see you next week. See you soon. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.